0: What is Sanctuary.
1: Welcome to the Dunker Punks podcast. If you have ever been bored in church, we have a treat for you today. Think about what would be the most exciting, fun, and relevant way to worship God as you follow Jesus' teachings on the Sermon on the Mount. While you're thinking about your ideas for a very different kind of church, here's Jacob Krause singing about being a different kind of person. I don't wanna be rich Don't wanna be
2: popular Don't wanna be selfish, no I don't wanna be a goat Don't wanna be ignorant Don't wanna be blindfolded I just wanna be Countercultural I don't wanna be violent Don't wanna have a vendetta I don't wanna be vengeful, no. I don't wanna be a soldier, don't wanna be militaristic, don't wanna help that cycle, I just wanna be a countercultural pacifist. I don't wanna be a racist, don't wanna be a capitalist, don't wanna be a sexist, no. I don't wanna pass judgment, don't wanna hold grudges Don't wanna be hateful, I just wanna be A countercultural, pacifistic, unconditional lover I don't wanna shop at Walmart, don't wanna grow Monsanto Don't wanna drink Coca-Cola, no I wanna burn petrol, don't wanna eat perfect fruit, don't wanna feel guilty, I just wanna be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditionally loving organic gardener. I wanna be authentic, I wanna be radical, I wanna be optimistic, honest, beautiful, I wanna be humble, I wanna be progressive, I wanna be open, an inspiration like John Wesley, or Sarah Major, or Anna Mouth I wanna be like Martin Luther, or Martin, Martin Luther King Jr., like Santa Claus, Johnny Appleseed, Dirk the or Gandhi, Alexander Mack, John Klein, George Fox, or Jesus Christ, but mostly, I just wanna be me. I just wanna be me.
1: Have you decided how you would do church? Today, we have Elizabeth Swenson of Olympia, Washington, sharing her journey to form a different kind of church. And she interviews a veteran of church innovation, Ryan Brott, founder of Veritas Community in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Between them, you will hear of innovation and struggle, plus risk and reward. sanctuary?
0: Where do you find sanctuary? Maybe in a quiet church building with stained glass windows? Maybe amongst the towering trees of the forest? Flying down the hill on a snowboard? Amid the down pillows of your bed? Sanctuary is sacred and safe space. A space where you can let down your guard, take off your masks, and just be yourself. But what happens when a space that's supposed to be sacred, supposed to be a sanctuary, becomes unsafe. For many people, church has become just that. Spiritual refugees, those for whom church has been a painful experience because of hateful theology or become irrelevant because our institutions struggle to keep up with where God is leading us next, or they find it exclusive because their gender, age, or sexual orientation has barred them from fulfilling a call to ministry or be in full membership in their church. Spiritual refugees are part of the growing population of people in this country. who do not not identify or claim any religious affiliation. Over 20% of all adults to be particular and over 35% of those under the age of 30. Maybe you're one too. I know I am. I've spent a lot of time thinking about sanctuary, sanctuary and spirituality lately. Earlier this year, I started a church with the hope of creating a sanctuary space for spiritual refugees. Wildwood Gathering meets once a week in my living room currently, and together we talk about spirituality and faith, we read scriptures and poems, we drink beer and wash feet, because I believe that sanctuary starts with community, and community is so important in our world. Today I'm going to talk about Wildwood and this new faith community, but I'm also going to interview Ryan Brott, who started a church called Veritas in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. There are several other new churches or communities of faith that have started in the Church of the Brethren recently, particularly in the Chicago area, and I really hope to be able to share their ministry with you all in a future podcast. So, my story starts by spending a lot of time searching and struggling to find a home church that was a good fit for my wife and I in our hometown of Olympia. So then I began to start thinking about starting a church, but I was really adamant for a really long time, as a lot of people are, that I did not want to be a pastor. But after starting seminary last fall at Bethany Theological Seminary, I began to sort of entertain the idea that maybe I would be comfortable doing something like that was a non-traditional church. And by the end of 2015, I found myself writing a proposal for a new church plant to the Pacific Northwest District. They celebrated and supported my idea with prayers and startup funds, which allowed me to quit my job and put my full energy into Wildwood Gathering. We started meeting in my living room in March of 2016, where 12 people squeezed around my dining room table to finger paint. We prayed, we explored our understanding of God, explored spirituality. And since then, we meet every Thursday at 7.30 in my living room. While I love how close and safe our community has become by meeting in the living room, I'm eager for us to find a space that's more accessible. Because for a lot of people, it's really hard to go to church in the first place. And then they have to find a strange house in a strange neighborhood and knock on some stranger's door. I want us to find a location that's downtown area that we can use because I feel like we need to be easy to access, easy to come up to the front door. We need to be someplace where we can meet people where they are. Because we really try and remove as many barriers to participation as possible, including Recognizing that a lot of the language that we use in church has become trigger language for some people. Just as the painful memories of victims of physical violence are triggered by words or locations or actions, many people who have been victims of spiritual violence are also triggered by the language we use in worship. The ways that we pray or the spaces that we meet in. We believe that it's really important to recognize that there are many names for and ways to understand God. And so we try to use inclusive language when we pray and read scripture. We also value the diversity of experiences we all bring to the scripture. Through each of our own lenses, we can illuminate another facet of the biblical narrative, and by bringing them together, we can more fully understand God's message. But we also know that God speaks to us in many ways, in nature, in poetry, in music. God is still speaking, and we seek to tune our hearts and ears to hear God's message today. But Wildwood Gathering isn't the only one doing a new thing. Churches all over the country are exploring what it means to be church in new and creative ways. House churches, dinner churches, churches that are meeting in bars and restaurants. It's amazing to see the ways that people are getting creative and innovative with creating communities of faith. Six years ago, Ryan Brott started Veritas in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. At a recent Church of the Brethren conference, I had the opportunity to sit down with him for a bit. So thank you Ryan for being willing to sit down with me. you want to do a quick introduction of who you are sure. and how this, what you do? And
3: sure. My um, name's Ryan Brot, and I pastor a church plant called Veritas in the city of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, it's been around for about six and a half years. And uh, I have a family a wife of 19 and a half years, uh, a 17 year old Chinese exchange student who lives with us, uh, my son, Caden, is 12. And my daughter, Trinity, is nine. Um, so that's kind of the family, what I do for a living.
0: Awesome. So you started Veritas six years ago?
3: Yeah, in uh, 2009.
0: What, what led you to do church planting? What was your initial sort of vision, dream? Like, how did you get into this crazy world?
3: <laughs> uh, I mean, so there's the long story, and then there's the one that, like, I could tell in, like, two minutes. But... So, basically, a lot of it was through, um, I was on staff at a traditional church and uh, had a heart to connect with a, a people who think differently, um, and while that was not necessarily an age range, a lot of the people were in a certain age range, so a lot of young adults, you know, who I was a youth pastor, so I would see come in the youth group, and then when they got to college... Kind of walk away from the faith. Um, so I began to go, what would church look like for people who have either kind of walked away from it or people who um, didn't grow up in it? Um, and so we began to explore, um, and this was like 2002, so we began to explore questions of like, what would worship look like? Um, and so then, and this sounds funny when I say this and sad. But we started with, like, what if we had, like, 100 candles in a room and had coffee, you know, and that the worship was different? But then began to realize that that was not the place to start. We began to ask questions of, like, well, what is church? Why do we do church the way we do? Um, And so so big terms, we went from worship to ecclesiology. What is that? Um, And then began to realize, though, that, unless we did church really contextually and understood what the context and the culture was, we would just be making things up. So we began to ask questions of missiology, mission. Like, what would it look like to be a blessing? What would it look like to explore our community as a missionary and not assume, well, everyone's a Christian or um, everyone has had the same experience with church. But just to listen and, and be basically a missionary um, so that's the kind of the best word. And so then we began to explore what is known as missional approaches to church. And then so that's where we then got really a heart for, like, what if we could explore church with new eyes, with fresh eyes, and really understood the context that we were called to. Um, and so that <clears throat> began a trajectory for me and my family to say, um, what if we had time, more time, to explore this? And so it led us to, we were, we felt like we were in two ships, going in two different directions. We were, you know, I was on staff of the traditional church that let me explore this other side for a little bit, but only for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt like, my wife put it this way, that we were in two ships going in two different directions, and it started to get painful. Mm-hmm. And so then we had to make a choice. Do we step onto, it wasn't a luxury liner, but it was, you know, a pretty big boat, you know, and safety and security, um, pay and, you know, benefits and all that, or step out into a dinghy that might have a hole in it and might get, you know, two yards out in the ocean and sink. Um, and there wasn't, we don't know if there was pay, don't know anything, And but really through a series of about two years, God Calling us to risk, um, we said okay, and we stepped out into the dinghy, and it's still—it's a little bigger than a dinghy now, but it's uh, not huge. It Maybe a bigger rowboat, um, but you know, just patiently walking one step at a time, and and trusting that um, that God can do what we can't.
0: Hmm. I like that being called to risk, like the church plant is the the medium by which you are risking, Mm -hmm. but the call is to risk. The call is to upend what has been done to um, try something, anything different.
3: Yes, and in 2007, uh, for a whole year, I felt like God was yelling at me, risk. Because everywhere I turned, Mm -hmm. I read books, it was all about risk. There's a quote, um, ships are safest in the port, but Mm -hmm. that's what the ships are made for. I read the parable, the talents, in the message translation, and it says the one who risks the most gains the most, and began to ask my question, like when I get to be seventy, will all I have on my tombstone is he played it safe, yeah. and and then I heard another a guy talking about um, we have two different kind of regrets, the things that we do, and the things that we don't do, and the things that we don't do are the things that um, play havoc the most with us Mm -hmm. and I'm like the what if the what if what if I did this and I didn't want to get to the end of my life and said he played it safe yeah like no that would be failure for me even if I even if like that dinghy sank six months into the journey like at least we tried
0: right went out with a bang or a burble or a (laughs) yeah (laughs) whatever
3: (laughs) but we tried yeah that and that would that that wouldn't have been acceptable for me not to try yeah. um, and it and it's not been easy like I'll never forget Mother's Day of two thousand nine um, my family sat us down my wife and I and gathered around us intervention style like and um, thought told us that that this was a bad idea no. um, and I'm like, well thanks for your concern um, but this is. God made it clear multiple times over years that we were supposed to do this, you know, and we decided to do it anyway. And you know, it's been, it's been one heck of a ride. You know, I don't regret. If it ended up tomorrow, I wouldn't regret it. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: yeah. There is something um, before I did it. Before I did Wildwood, I spent maybe two years, trying to get anybody and everybody who I thought might have a gift or an interest or a spark in church planting to come to Washington and start a church.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and
0: I got my sales pitch down so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't until I realized that I was not listening to my own sales pitch. <laughs> I was like, crap. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: and and if, it, if it fails, it fails. Mm-hmm. What, what's gonna, you know, like, I think... You know, you're a little bit older than I am, but we're in a same sort of general generation. And we don't seem to have the same fear of failure that the generations before us have. All right. And maybe it's our age. We're on the younger end of things. We have more life in front of us. So we have more time to recover from a failure. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'm older than you think I am. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I mean, I'm thinking of like, you know, the boomer generation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and right. if they were to risk the way that we're risking, they're right. ris- maybe they're risking a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. Um But I I wonder how this ability to think outside the box, to embrace risk, would change the way that we do church as an institution. Mm -hmm. If as a denomination, we were able to risk.
3: Right, right. Um, Because we're so worried about the what if we fail. Yeah. If that's the worst thing. But then we lose the imagination, the dream.
0: Yeah. And I feel like if we don't do anything, we're going to fail. Right. If we do something, we might we, fail. Yeah, exactly. But we have—that's the only option we have <coughs> yep. to not fail. Right. And right. You know, mm-hmm. why the hell not? <laughs> right. Um. When you do, you think of what you're doing as Emerging Ministries, or is it something else?
3: Um. No. Not really. Um. We we try to skew labels. Mm. you know but then you can't I mean it's like you we might say oh well we'll push them off but then people kind of say okay well this is that or whatever you know I mean we what drives me is a lot of the missional conversation so we would I would consider ourselves a missional church um, that hasn't even gotten close to arriving which I mean we never will but you know about See again. Seeing the culture has changed. Even like people go, oh, you live in Lancaster. Everyone's Christian and every church is everywhere. And I'm like, no, actually, it's you know like my church planting coach said, it's 17 uh, percent, churched in Lancaster County, hmm. which is under the national church average. So it's not the Lancaster County people think it is. Uh-huh. Um, and so we need, even in Lancaster, we need churches that are pre- seeing the culture differently than assuming it's just this Christendom mm-hmm. because it's not. Mm-hmm. And we are no longer at the center of the town. And I say thank God because we were never designed to be there anyway. Right. We always function best on the margins. Yeah. Um, so we would be a missional church and try to, try, try to dream of like a community of people who see themselves not as um, purveyors of religious goods and services, or I just come on Sunday, but what would it look like to live in such a way in my neighborhood, at my work, wherever I am, that I'm a missionary, um, seeking to be about God's kingdom? And like, what would it look like? And I, I've said this a lot of times. We we our space is on this road called King Street. And I said, what would it look like if, if literally the prayer that like Jesus prayed, "Your kingdom come, and your will be on earth as it is in heaven," what would it look like if heaven touched down right outside of our space? what would that look like? Mm-hmm. Then that's stuff that we need to be involved in. You know, and so, you know, refugee work, um, creating beauty. Um, that's why, I mean, we have our art gallery It's engaging with beauty and truth. You know, there's some questions that come up in art, theological questions, um, that a lot of artists wrestle with. You know, and so giving them a, a place to work that out. Um, but just living in such a way intentionally um, being a missionary and I know that there's so much baggage with that word Mm -hmm. with you know um, colonialism and all that but I think too often we go oh yeah missionaries are people we send somewhere else versus like no wherever I go I'm a missionary Mm -hmm. and I want to see this world start to reflect what heaven's like
0: yeah We've spent so long focused on making disciples,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and disciple, to me seems much more passive. I feel hmm. like we need to be making missionaries.
3: Yeah, I would. we need to be
0: like you know, like you, you're a missionary in Lancaster making other missionaries to go into Lancaster.
3: Right. And I would say that's a holistic thing. Like, discipleship means missionary, mm. means sent. You know, uh, like, there's the apo- there's apostles, which is sent, and then there's disciples. They're the same. Mm. And so, like, I want to make disciples that make disciples. But to do that, you know, I need to be one. But I also need to... Part of my, because I think too often, you know, you grew up. If you grew up in the church, discipleship was this thing. Oh, you went to Sunday morning, you went to Sunday school, you went to da da da, whatever. And then maybe you, you know, you prayed at home and read the Bible and stuff. But it wasn't like, oh, you know what? Like, like going to the local nonprofit was something else. Well, no, that's discipleship too.
0: That was your high school volunteer hours. Yeah, (laughs) like right. It
3: wasn't like it wasn't connected to discipleship. Yeah. And so, like, for me, it's like no, like we we in our community look at discipleship in three lenses we look at it as um blessing the world so engaging serving that kind of thing that's discipleship and then yes the clear classic spiritual disciplines for individuals but also in community Mm -hmm. and so like worship um prayer um we're actually developing a discipleship plan that encompasses like sizes of groups so like groups of three and four Praying together and, and, and community groups of, like, you know, 5 to 12 and then other larger groups. But then also sharing life together and community and relationships and saying we need each other desperately. Yeah. And so the that's how I see discipleship playing out mm. in all those things versus, like, it's just this one part. And so then part of our discipleship is to go be missionaries.
0: Mm. I like that broader understanding of discipleship much better than the, the understanding that I sort of grew up with or I feel like middle America church right. talks about. Mm-hmm. Discipleship is something you sort of, you're a disciple if you come to church on Sunday and go to Sunday school and tithe appropriately. Right. And that's, that's what, all you have to do. <laughs> it's not as easy as that. <laughs> right. It shouldn't be as easy as that. No. Um, what's next? What's your next project? What are you like, excite, What are you excited about?
3: What am I excited about besides the Sabbath uh, Sabbath rest that I get in the year? <laughs> which, you know, I would encourage, you know, I've been at it 20 years without a break. Mm. And when the when our leadership gave uh, approval to take Sabbath, I was like, I got really excited about it. Because I was like, yeah, I, I need it. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage, like, anybody, especially church planners, because you just go and go and go. And then you realize, you wake up one day and you realize you've got nothing left. Yeah um but uh i've been asking that question like even here like what is next what's the dream and i think part of it is actually to help me get back to that place where i can ask the what ifs mm. like i wonder sometimes if i've gotten so caught up in the minutia of you know preaching every week and just you know making it happen that i've lost that ability to go back to before the church plant and dream, you know, I want to ask the what ifs, and big, big what ifs, because I think too often I go to God and say, God, can you just do this one little thing, mm-hmm. versus like, God, like, let's dream big, you know, but I mean, some things that are really exciting is my heart beats for the outside engagement with the world. That's what drives me, and so that's what drives my some of my people nuts. Because I'm always like, let's get out there. And they're like, but we need... And I'm like, so there's a there's a holistic balance that we need to live out. Um, but some things are like... One of the girls in our churches uh, works a lot in the area of mental health. So we're actually... She was like, can we do a mental health art show and music night? And I'm like, yeah. So like in June, we're going to have this art show all about questions of like mental health and and like the stigma that comes especially in church there's a stigma there and so like trying to break that and shatter that and so what I mean really makes me excited is all the various art shows that we're going to be doing in the next six months so there's the mental health one there's one with refugee stories there's one with um, Mexican uh, young adult who went missing and, mm-hmm. and so kind of raising awareness and using art to raise awareness to social issues, which I think is, like, is beautiful, um, coming together. Um, so that's exciting. And just also, like, engaging with people who are hungry to follow Jesus. Um, there's a guy, he, he literally started following Jesus a year ago, and he's so hungry. You know, he, he, he wants to attend meetings and he wants to read papers and, and I'm like, who are you and what are you doing? Don't you know you don't want, you shouldn't want to attend meetings and you shouldn't want to read this stuff but he does and he's hungry and he just wants to learn because he didn't grow up in it. Mm. You know, and he's like, how can I use my art and my music um, to be about the kingdom? And so, I love pouring into him because he's like a sponge, you know, and it's just like, I take him to, we have a, a network that we're a part of and so occasionally we have these gatherings and so I'm like hey would you want to come and he's like yeah you know I'll, I'll, I'll miss the day of work I'll do whatever it takes to go do this and so it's cool to pour into people who are passionate about it um so yeah those are those are some things that I'm like really excited about
0: I feel like I should have asked this next question before I asked what excites uh, you you can you know and maybe in the next <coughs> you can
3: you know <laughs> edit it
0: up. um What are you afraid of, or what? What? What worries you?
2: Mm.
0: You know, we've talked about like we're we're not just because we're willing to fail doesn't mean we're not afraid to fail. Right. So you're six years in. What is what is your fears? What are like?
3: What keeps me up at night? Yeah. And what my you know. I wish I was beyond that. You know, like I wish that.
0: I wish you could tell me that
3: you were beyond that. Yeah, I wish you'd say it goes away. Like, oh, we're good. No, like, and and my wife constantly reminds me of, like, how much I don't trust God. Hmm. You know, personally and also corporately. Like, so, you know, my fear, like, a lot has to do with, and I know this, and I've said this to her, and she's like, put me in my place multiple times. And I'm like, as a male, and this is stereotypical stuff, as a father, there's this sense of like being the provider. And the one time I was like, I'm so worried about making money and trying to provide for the family, da 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 And she goes, stop it. She says, number one, you're not my provider anyway. So get off that thing. God is. You're not. And I was like, Ouch. Touché. And I was like, you're right. You're complete. I had nowhere to go because I was <laughs> like, yep, you're right. Um, but I don't trust very well. Mm. Even though time and time and time and time again, God has done more than I can even dream. Like when we have needs, he provides, fit, like monetarily. We've, you know, one one of the things that my wife wrestled with in this call was um, being open-handed with the with our stuff or being close fisted with our stuff like houses and cars and stuff. And she realized that was her hold up most stuff. And she's like, wait a minute, isn't the kingdom much more valuable? So what if we lose a car? So what if we lose a house? We're not going to be homeless. We'll be fine. It just might not look like the American dream. And, um, I just have to always come back to that and say, God has, you know, taken care of us. But that is also then, then the fear because we, like, you know, right now we're waiting f- to hear whether my wife gets a full-time teaching job or not. Mm. And so there's always been, the last six years, this ke- question of safety and security and going... Because so that, I mean, safety and security and risk coming together is just like this, like, I want a risk, I want to trust God more, but I want some safety and security. You know, I think we all do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just when that becomes the MO and drives you, even in the face of, like, God calling you explicitly, no, trust me, you know. Um, so the fear is, like, what if it all collapses? Well, what will I do? I mean, I got a I got an undergrad that's 20-some years old in technology. It was outdated the day I got off campus, <laughs> so it's no good now. And then a, a master's degree in religion. So, like, and that's the thing. I've been, like, thinking about, you know, bivocational stuff. I've done that from. Maybe half the the journey I've been by vocational, but I'm like, well, what else would I do? You know, um, that would, we'd have to make enough money to to function. You know, I, so, but so far, like the last three years, it's just been like, she's gotten long term sub positions, which is paid fairly well, and that's been helpful. And I got to work at a, a ski resort this winter on my snowboard, which is awesome. I didn't get paid a lot, but, you know, I got to snowboard a lot, which is like, that's, you it's know, okay. that, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Except for the fact when you fall on your ribs three times and, mm. you know, I'm still hurting from February because <laughs> people say, you're not, you're not 19 anymore. I'm like, yeah, you, <laughs> you're right. But like, you know, it is, it's to me when somebody says, have you taken your Sabbath? They think, oh, have you been out by yourself? And, and I think, give me my board. I'm going to go to the mountain because mm-hmm. that's. I've experienced God in the freedom of like flying down the hill and just being out in his creation and stuff. So like, hopefully if she gets this job, I'm still going to do that. Not so much for them pay, but just, well, to get out there, get some free lift tickets for my family. But also there's a group of people they are usually like 20 years old, college students right out of college or didn't go to college who work on the mountain. And my first year this past winter, I had like multiple conversations and like, and I want to do it just because sometimes when you are a pastor, you live in a bubble and I hate the bubble, but it still sucks you in. And so I'm like, I got to have a really, I got to have something an outlet to talk to people. And I had like multiple conversations about what I do for a living. And I was waiting for the, Oh, okay. Thanks. I'm gone. I'm out. out, Yeah. uh, I got to go leave now. But, You know, the one guy said, Well, are you a priest? I said, Well, not necessarily. He was like, What's the difference? I said, Well, I'm married and have kids. (laughs) That's one thing. But, you know, but then I, and I always explained, Hey, you know, we're a church, we have an art gallery, we do music nights. And and I always got this, like, Wow, tell me more, which I didn't expect, Mm -hmm. which kind of blew me away. It was kind of like the opposite of what I expected. So, um, I think that's long, long short of it is, yeah, like, the fear is, what if God doesn't come through? But that's, he God's track record's pretty good. Always, <laughs> always, always, always. And I realize, crap, it's not about him, it's about me oh, yeah. and my fear of trusting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, fellow Dunker Punks, what risks are you called to take? What are you afraid of that's been holding you back? Are you struggling to find a community of faith? Have you been thinking about starting a church? Are you part of a church plant that's already started? Let's talk. I want to know your experiences, your struggles, and see if we can work together to shape a future of church that is diverse and creative, inclusive, and innovative. Send me an email at liz at or find me on Facebook or Instagram under Elizabeth Ellery Swinson. In future podcasts, I'm excited to share with you a few more new creative churches that are starting, and I'd love to include what you are doing in your communities and on your campus. You can keep up with Ryan at Veritas, at veritas.community, and you can find out more about Wildwood Gathering at wildwoodgathering.org. It's been a pleasure, friends. Take care.
1: Dunker Punks are about following Jesus. So how do you know where or even that Jesus is leading you? Brethren believe in the affirmation of community, that the Spirit of God speaks strongest in a community of people trying to listen. This makes church important. What I hear Elizabeth saying is that she needed the community of church for her walk of following Jesus. Yet the communities of which she knew either weren't the most welcoming or didn't feed her and nurture her spirituality in life-giving ways. What a wonderful, bold move to form a house church. And you know, you can too. You hear her telling of gathering, praying, even finger painting. And then Ryan spoke of music, art, and prayer. Our worship honors God and feeds the spirit present in ourselves and in the gathered community. This is how the church is emerging into something new, something into which God is leading many of us. Some people already have welcoming communities of faith, places that do nurture them. If you have such a place, you can participate and know you will be able to hear the guidance you need. You will get from those around you the affirmation or the challenge for how to follow Jesus as he taught in the Sermon on the Mount, and if you don't have such a place. If you feel like a spiritual refugee, as Elizabeth spoke of, Consider finding others who enjoy this podcast and getting together. Talk about your challenges and your joy in following the humble one. Lean on each other. Pray. And let the community help you discern your own call to follow. And let us at the Dunker Punks podcast help. Along with Emmett Eldred's website, dunkerpunks.com, you can use these venues to connect with others who seek community. We trust we will hear from you, whether you are seeking or offering a place to others. We can help. A little further beyond the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 18:20, Jesus says, Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. May you be blessed, Dunker Punks, with two or three others to support you in your journey of faithfully following Jesus. Dunkerpunks are followers of Jesus and his teachings found in the Sermon on the Mount. We share a podcast message two times a month and enjoy the participation of a dozen or more spirited and spiritual leaders who give us words and interviews to inspire. Share your journey with us on social media. You will find us called Dunkerpunks Pod. In addition to podcast platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, and beyond, Pod, the episodes can be accessed at the Arlington Church of the Brethren website, arlingtoncob.org dpp. I'm Nancy Fitzgerald, your co-host, with Suzanne Lay and Jacob Krause, our talented audio editors. Jacob's original music <laughs> complements the show. Until next time, when Laura Weimer shares her activism with Arlington, Virginia's Offender Restoration Program, look for Dunker Punk's podcast at Annual Conference if you are there, or maybe we will find you.
2: But mostly, I just want to be me. Just wanna be me